to my podcast, Autumn is Here. I'm Francine Crawford. Thank you for tuning in this evening. Today, we're talking about living arrangements. Now, some of you are seniors and may not have thought about your future and if the possibility of you staying where you're at, or maybe sometime in the future, you need extra help and you may have to have assistance. That is something that we can think about now, even before we get ill, and hopefully we won't get ill, but if we do, or also for the children or the spouse to think about how to take care of aging loved ones. So right now I'm going to give you some options because when uh, my mom got sick, the doctor told me uh, she has to go in a nursing home. It was like that was the only option. And I didn't understand that. That was like an extreme to me. So it put me in a panic. And then um, I started trying to think about different places. One of the things, of course, I thought about is like trying to rearrange my schedule, trying to figure out how I could stay home because I happen to be fortunate enough to live with my mom. But um, that I was working full time, so I really couldn't do that. So I started thinking maybe a family member. Now that's also an option to you. If there's a family member, maybe that just retired or, um, you know, uh, maybe they're a grandchild that's in school or something like that. Maybe they can look in on your parent and things like that. So those are other things that you can think about. Um, if it's sometimes there are people who are nurses and they retire and sometimes they might want extra work. So that's another option for you to think about. So you can do something where someone that you know um, takes care of your parent for half a day or a day or, or whatever. And then this way they can be in touch with you and you can be in touch with them. And those are other options. There also are options like assisted living. Now, assisted living, I never heard of that until I had to look for a place. And when I looked for a place, I realized that assisted living was extremely expensive, at least for me. Um, it was $3,500 to $4,000. And that was in, I don't know, 2006, seven, something like that. Uh, and they are there for seniors that can kind of get around, but they have uh, nurses there. Sometimes some some of them all of them are different, but they have nurses that will give you medicine and things like that. Check up on your parents. Your parents will have to come down. Most of them they will come down for at least one meal a day, if not two. But they will serve all three meals, um, things like that. Some some of them have cleaning, um, housekeeping services, depending on whether it's in that amount or not. It depends on the facility. That's something if you're going to look for assisted living, look for what is in the base price and then all the add-ons because some of the add-ons you may need, some of the add-ons you may not need. Maybe you wash the clothes or whatever, or clean up, um, or you'll visit and you'll do those things. But sometimes you have to look for the things that, um, the little things, okay? Um, and if you can't afford that, that might be a nice option. Uh, a lot of the places are pretty nice. They usually have nice grounds. Um, they usually have um, different activities for seniors where they'll have uh, bingo or card room or reading room. And then sometimes it's good to have them in an the atmosphere around other seniors. So that makes them feel good every now and then they can talk to you know somebody their age. My mom, you always say, I wanna be around people my age. I wanna be around people my age. I'm tired of you young folks. So um, that that's something that you might be able to consider. Just know that that's available to you, but you know, it's good to look into these things early to just see um, 
what you can afford and see the facility, you know, go visit the facility. Um, and there's also, of course, you know, you can relocate your parent, think about that, but that's something that you should have a conversation with them um, beforehand, that if that's possible, if they wanna live with you, if you don't live with your parent, you live in another state or on the other side of town or somewhere else, you can always consider relocating, relocating them. Now, if you take care of them, uh, there are also uh, uh, option that you can have a respite. You can, a respite care is when you are taking care of your parent and you might need a break or you have to go to your child's graduation, which is in another state for a weekend or four days or something like that. Respite is a temporary care facility where you can take them to, where you can um, have a break. Um, you don't even have to be going away. You can just, you know, need a break for whatever reason and do that. They may keep them for a week. And it all depends on the care that you need. You know, if they really need a lot of medical attention, there are different places for that. Some just need care. And some respites have them come, someone come into your home to stay for that week or that couple of days and, and give you a break. So those are options to you. And again, those are options that I didn't know that was, was available at the time. Of course, you have a nursing home. If it's if it's something severe or you cannot take care of them, you're unable to take care of them, um, depending on their needs, if their needs are um, a lot of medical needs that you are not equipped to do, you may consider a nursing home. Um, please consider certain things with a nursing home is that if you get an, if they are qualified for a nursing home first, if they're qualified to be in a nursing home, just know that, um, and this is for seniors too, just know that you are, you have to spend down your assets and the money that you have before the state will kick in or the government will kick in. Um, so if your parent has uh, a large sum of money or a lot of property or things like that, you have to consider that it, the, the government's not just going to take over when they go into the, and pay when they go into the nursing home. They're going to attach their assets and see if, you know, liquefy everything that they have and see how much they have and draw down on that. And they'll slowly do that until, um, and, and if they don't have anything else left, then that's when the government will kick in. So please consider that. And while you're considering that, that's why I said these things you have to think about now, because if you don't know that, um, while you're you, you could have planned earlier, it's usually five years prior to your loved one or a parent or you getting ill, if you have changed your name on um, your home or you're giving your gift, giving gifts to your children, you know, uh, I think there's a limit of probably in New York, I think it was about $13,000 that you can give them a year. Um, just slowly start thinking about things like that. And sometimes we, you know, it's kind of overwhelming to think about, but if you think about it, say if you're 65 and you're healthy and you have this property, you worked all your life and you saved all this money and you have all this property, things like that. If you start thinking about how to dole it out before you get ill, um, by the time you get ill, at least they will, they will have something. If you are so ill that you have to go to a nursing home and they have no choice, if it's a year or two years um, into your illness and you have to go to the nursing home, then you, you cannot any longer 
give them money without it possibly being um, penalized. And um, the state may come back for it. But um, if you do it ahead of time, as you know, it could do it early. You can do it 10 years before. You don't, no one knows when they're going to get ill, but you can do it early if you want. But that's the thing that, the good thing to plan, plan out, um, gift your assets. There are other ways you can um, make sure that all your money doesn't go to the nursing home, but you should look into that. You can get a, a, a lawyer and they can tell you your options. There are other options. There are options where you can put your um, house in, um, I believe it's called a life estate. And this way that if something should happen to you, the person that you, the next of kin or the person that you wanted to go to, it will just transfer over without the penalty of being charged with the nursing home fees. So those are things that I wanted to talk to you about and just give you some information on today. And also today we're going to talk about a home attendant. Now that's something that many people um, do look into and is very helpful for people. And today we have a guest that's going to talk to us about um, home attendant care. How do you get a home attendant? And um, what's the qualifications? and different things and different questions. So today we do have a guest that's going to talk to us about that. So that's another option. Okay, well, thank you very much. And just let's welcome my guest. Hello and welcome to Autumn is Here. We'd like to welcome our guest, Ms. Lizette Smith, who is the former executive director of the Bushwick Stuyvesant Heights Home Attendant Incorporated. And she is a registered nurse by profession. Hi, welcome to my show. Hi, thank you for having me. That's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Now, <laughs> if you live a long, long time, I guess you do a lot of things. So you have a lot of hats, which is a good thing. Correct. It's a good thing. Correct, correct. So I'm um, glad to have you here this evening. And um, I'm sure you have some good information for us. So let's let's just get started. Can you just um, tell tell me a little bit about your uh, your your job, your your former your former position? Okay. Well, Bushwick Agency is a licensed home care agency in the heart of Bed Stuy, Brooklyn, in New York City. And the agency has been in existence since 1981. So we have a lot of years um, in this profession, taking care of people and just helping people to remain at home and be healthy. So how are you funded? How are you funded? Can you just walk in and say, I need a home attendant? Uh, a person can do that. You can. Right? And they can do that. But at that point, we will direct them and let them know what they need to do. So in order to, be, uh, to receive services from our agency, you have to have Medicaid. Okay. Okay. So if a person walks in and they have Medicaid, it makes it that much easier. We can have them from that point on. Okay. Okay. So, so they would have to apply for Medicaid. Exactly. If they don't have it, they have to apply. They have to apply for it. Okay. So how many, how many aids are you, were you responsible for? Like how, how big is this agency? Um, the agency, well, a few months ago, the agency had a census of um, about 
300 and almost 400 clients mm. and and we serviced them with about 500 almost 600 aides. Oh okay. okay okay well that's a lot that's a it lot. is a lot it's a lot to manage <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot to manage okay you so, know so how do you so how do you do that because it, it is a lot to manage and when you're dealing with people and their care you have to be very careful so so i'm sure there's some kind of training or regulations or something so, you know so how does how does that work how do you are they trained and how skilled are they yes the aides are trained they are now they all used to be pcas or personal care assistants at one point and then um, regulations changed and everybody had to be upgraded to home to be a home health aide, which, which requires more training. So they all had to go back to school, except for the ones that came to us as a home health aide already. Um, the training for home health aide is usually um, about 76 hours. And that's over a period of um, usually about three weeks. They have classroom time and then one day is spent on clinical. Whereas a personal care aide, their training is usually seven days and it usually lasts over the course of a two week period. Um, and in those two weeks, they have classroom and clinical. So they usually have, like, um, they're integrated as opposed to the home health aid where one day is clinical and they're, they're um, um, graded in all of their skills. Okay, so when you say one day is clinical, tell me what that is. Clinical is, um, they check to make sure, now this is for the home health aid. They make sure that um, they know how to take a blood pressure, how to take um, uh, a pulse, how to check the patient, or the we call them a client, not a patient. Mm -hmm. um, take the client's uh, temperature, um, how, to, how to reinforce a dressing, not change a dressing, but to reinforce it. Mm -hmm. um, um, and that's, that's basically it. You know, look for signs and symptoms of, of medication reactions so that they can report that to the nurses who work at the agency. But now you mentioned before that that's a lot of people to manage, but we have case coordinators at the agency that are responsible for making sure that the aides get their assignments, that they log in and they log out at the end of the shift. Okay. So if they have uh, a client that needs a little bit more service, say they get there and they need a little bit more than changing their dressing or they see something, they will call the agency and then the coordinator will, will assign a nurse to do to, to assess them or visit? Yes, well, the coordinator would let the uh, patient, the director of patient services who isn't a registered nurse, let her know. And then that she would communicate with the nurse for that client to make sure that the nurse addresses that issue. So it may require a little more training in, in the home um, for that particular aid on that client. Yeah, so all of the clients do have a plan of care and every plan of care is individualized for that particular client. And that plan of care is done by the registered nurse that goes out to visit that client once every three months 
Um, that's the person that would go back to the client if there's any issues like, you know, if the client falls, if there's mm -hmm. an issue in the home, that nurse would be notified and would take care of that. Okay. Now, is there any any regulation with the the state? Who oversees your your company? Okay. So the state the state is the overseer because we're licensed under the state. So um, the Department of Health comes in at any time they wish to. If they they may get a complaint and that may bring them to the agency, or they may just randomly to the agency and they check files. They make sure that all of the things that the aides are supposed to have, they have in place. And that has to be evidenced on the file. All of the things that um, we're supposed to have or do for the client is evidenced in the client's file. So they just show up. Um, we also, we have a contract. We, we have a contract with Human Resources Administration, which is directly through HRA and Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So they also come out, but they usually let us know when they're coming. But they send monitors out to the agency to check on the files, check on our policies. Uh, they also send quality assurance monitors out to the client's home. And they don't let them know that they're coming either. So they check to make sure that there is a, a plan of care in place, that the aid is in place. The aid is doing what she's supposed to do. So there are safeties in place because we've heard, you know, some stories where things didn't work out too well. So uh, it's good to know that there are safeties in place where the state actually comes in and does a regular uh, routine uh, examination of the company and what's going on. So exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And, you know, we also, when the nurse goes around to um, do her initial visit to the client, when the person comes on as a new client, we give them an informational packet and that packet lets them know that if for whatever reason they're not happy with the service that's being provided to them, if they're not feeling comfortable with the aid or if they feel that the aid needs more training or Whatever it is, we encourage them to call the agency and let us know that so that we can make an adjustment. And whatever that adjustment needs to be, right. we do it. So um, it seems like a very uh, rewarding job. How, if somebody was interested in becoming a home attendant, what would they have to do? Okay, they can go to a training program, um, New York, the, in the five boroughs, they have numerous uh, home health aid training programs, and they can go and they can register and become a home health aide. And they're not for free, so they have to pay for that training. Um, the agency also has a way that if the, if the person comes to us and expresses that they would like to work with our organization and become a home health aide, we have ways and means to send them for training, but then they have to work for us for a certain period of time. And in terms of their, uh, their certificate that they would get at the end of training, we hold that certificate until that time, until they serve that time, and then we give it to them. So how long is the period of time? How long is, is the certificate valid for? Like, do they do this every year? Um, they don't have to, the, the certificate doesn't have an expiration date. 
So it's okay. valid. Okay. So how do, how do they upkeep on training and how do they, how are they like, if they're not recertified or they right. don't have to be recertified, how do they continue to grow in the, because things change, you know, uh, the way you take care of different things, the way you lift the person may be changed. So how do they keep upkeep with the um, treatment of people? So the agency has to provide for home health aid, 12 hours of continuing education a year. So every year they have to come into the agency and they have in-service classes and we keep them up to date with the training that they need. Um, so for home health aid, like I said, it's 12 hours. And for personal care aid, the continuing education is eight hours, eight to 10 hours. But what we do at our agency is we just, everybody gets 12 hours. Mm. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about the difference between Medicare and Medicaid? Okay, so Medicare is a federally funded health insurance plan or coverage for people who are, who reach the age 65 and have, you know, actually paid into that system by working. So when they turn 65, they're eligible to receive Medicare benefits. Um, or if they're uh, younger than 65 years old and they have a severe disability that in, in it, that, um, where they're not able to work, they also would qualify for Medicare. Medicaid is also a federally uh, run um, or funded health insurance plan, but it's also state. So each state has their own qualifications for Medicaid. All right, so Medicaid is also, like I said, um, a um, it's federally and state funded health program that provides health insurance for low income people. Okay, okay. All right, now Medicaid. there's some people, uh, yes, but I, I need to add also that some people are what you call dually eligible. So they qualify for both. Okay. And in that instance, it's a great thing because um, having both Medicare and Medicaid enables the person to, you know, maybe uh, get medications at a cheap, a, a lower cost. So their health coverage would be at a lower cost and they have more available to them. Okay. So like you said, your agency is covered through Medicaid. That's how they would be paid. Okay, so yes. you, would have to, you would have to have that. Yeah. Okay, so the qualifications for that is it is based on income because say if you, you know, worked all your life and you um, have property and you have money in the bank and things like that, will you still be able to get Medicaid? Will you qualify for Medicaid? you won't qualify for Medicaid uh, okay. because you'll be over whatever that income limit is or that um, uh, assessment is um, in terms of what assets that you have, mm -hmm. you have to fall below that level in order to be eligible for Medicaid. Now, sometimes what people do is they have what they call a spend down program um, where the person must spend down whatever that amount is that they're over uh, that limit for Medicaid. Once they spend that amount down, then they become eligible. 
So if they're enrolled in that type of a program uh, along with the Medicaid, then you know they would be eligible. Okay, okay. So that, that's something to consider. Something to consider. That's yes. something to consider, okay. Mm -hmm. awesome. The other thing they have, the other program they have is called a pool trust. What is that? So a pool trust is where, let's say the limit for Medicaid is $500 but you have $600 as your income. So you're $100 over what the minimum is. So that $100 would go into a pool trust account that would be managed by another organization. And out of that $100, they would pay the person's bills for them. You know, they would take care of some of their, um, um, some of their responsibilities but they would still maintain that $500 for themselves to also live off of. Oh, okay. Okay. I've never and, heard of that. Okay. Yeah. So that's called a pool trust. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Good. But I, how long did you work with um, the Bushwick-Stuyvesant Heights organization? About 30 years. 30 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And in fact, I had hair when I started working. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is that a good thing <laughs> now? You say did they, did they take your hair? <laughs> in the course of that 30 years, I'll tell you, it, it's a lot. It really is. It's a lot of responsibility, just being responsible ultimately for the clients, for their families and their well-being, because whatever goes on inside that client's home, it's going to affect the client. And it's going to ultimately affect the the aid in there as well. That client is supposed to feel that for those four hours or eight hours or how many ever hours you work with them, they're the most important person for that amount of time. Most families, do you find that they're uh, helpful with the situation, or is it is do you have to be the liaison between? the home attendant and the family? Is it some people don't like someone else coming to care for their loved ones and sometimes they give you a hard time or are people just really receptive to it? Um, people are not always receptive to it, uh, especially a client. You know, nobody likes to feel that they have to depend on someone else, mm -hmm. you know, because as just, we're just creatures of habit. And, you know, it's like, we're supposed to be independent. But when you get to the point that you need a little help, I guess the first thing you have to get over that first hurdle is accepting the fact that you do need some help. Mm -hmm. um, some families, you know, we, we get a mixture. We get some families that are so helpful and we just, we wish we could clone them and just have every client and every family, you know, it's like a model case, you know. Um, then you get some where the client has nobody. And, you know, that, that's a little more challenging, you know. Um, sometimes we get families that are jealous because the client starts, they see a change in the client for the better, you know, and you would think they would be happy about that. And I think part of them is happy, but a part of them just feels that the client is more, is closer now to this person coming in every day they look forward to seeing them every day you know and then we have to deal with the issues with that as well you don't you don't have to have an aid for eight hours for five days a week 
You know, right. they can still have some independence. You can have an aide for, you know, three times a week um, when you need them. And then, you know, the rest of the week you can do what you can do for yourself and things like that. So um, don't feel like you're getting, giving away all your independence. It's, it's for assistance. So everybody doesn't need somebody every day for eight hours. And um, also, of course, that's with qualification also. Right. But the thing is, the client is not the one that determines that. So the doctor, the client's doctor is the one that actually, you know, starts the ball, the ball rolling and just saying that, well, this person does need the assistance and they need it in certain areas. And then it's the person that goes out that determines the task and, and each task is assigned a certain amount of time. Okay. So according to that time, that's how they come up with how many hours to work per week that that client is going to need. But let's say the client, they determine that the person needs eight hours, seven days. The person still has the ability to say, but I don't want that. I don't want anybody on the weekend because my family is here on the weekend, or I just need some time by myself, or I go to church mm -hmm. Sunday. I don't want service on Sunday. They have the right to do that. And we have to respect that. Mm -hmm. The only thing we have to make sure we do is make sure that we document that there are some agencies that you can get home attendance and it's a private client you can pay yourself so yes. you have that ability that if you can pay you can go to certain agencies and you can also get this care um it's not that if you don't have medicaid then you, you can't get care so there are other places right. where you're private you can privately pay for to get help right yes, okay yes. mm -hmm. okay well, thank you so much for all your information. We appreciate it. Um, what would you, is there anything else that you would like to say about um, your, your job or how rewarding it was, or, you know, just say to the audience some information that might be helpful? Um, I know that right now COVID has really left its mark on so many businesses, ours included, and across the board, you know, Agencies right now are struggling mm -hmm. to get people to register, to help us to care for the clients that need it. So I would just invite anybody out there right now that, um, that feels that they have the compassion to deal with people in their homes. And, you know, it could even be someone who's retired that might want to do a few hours a week you know, um, that retirement is just not getting it for them. You know, we welcome you guys to, to call us. Call us at Bushwick Stuyvesant Heights home, home Care and allow us to, you know, just get you in a position where you're going to feel rewarded that you were able to come and take care of somebody and just bring a little sunshine into somebody's life for a day or so. Um, and we're also looking for clients as well. So if you know somebody that, you know, maybe in your neighborhood, in your church that needs the help, definitely call us because we love to, to, to be a part of your everyday life and just make sure that they're safe. Okay. Well, thank you, Ms. Smith. We appreciate that. And um, thank you for taking the time to, to speak on our show. And I'm sure there's very helpful information and someone in the audience would, will be blessed by it. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for um, tuning in this evening. I hope there was a, a lot of information that will help you about 
living arrangements and give you some ideas of what to do. Remember, every state is different. Every organization is different. So please do your due diligence and look into it. Um, listen, Google is your friend. You can Google all kinds of information if you know where to go. If you know if you want assisted living or if you want a nursing home, if you just want a home attendant. If you need the information about Bushwick Hot Stivers and Heights, here it is. If you need home care services from them, they're 992 Gates Avenue in Brooklyn, right off Ralph Avenue. Or if you want to be a home attendant, you can give them a call at 718-453-8400. So thank you for tuning in and till next week. Good night.